Okay, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom here at M Life. Joined as always by Ben Raven. I'm Kyle Mikey with the Lions Beat. We are once again burning the midnight oil <laughs> here in Allen Park. I think it's just us and the janitors left, Ben. Yeah, man. He gave us a weird look. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed a little nervous, actually. Like, what the hell are these guys still doing here? Um, what we're still doing here is Hard Knocks. Um, back for a, a third episode on HBO. Um, tonight here on, on, on Tuesday. Um, I'm curious your thoughts, Ben. For me, I really liked the first episode. They did a nice job kind of setting up everything that's happening in Allen Park, the, the, the culture change that's underway, the, the obviously led by the coaching staff. You know, we all knew Dan Campbell was going to get a lot of spotlight, was going to get a lot of run. That guy is a quote a minute. And so no, no one was surprised to see him featured in episode one episode two kind of moved to the players and we saw more of you know i'm on and brown aiden hutchinson and guys like that um for me episode three was you know it didn't it, it, it didn't hit the same bar for me I, I really liked both the first two episodes for for different reasons for me the third episode ben was um you know, I mean, they they tried to explore the bubble players a little bit more. I just, for me, it felt a little flat. What, what did you think? Well, I think uh, the bubble players being featured, you know, uh, it's good questions about why were these players featured and stuff like that. Abina Ize, Khalil Pimpleton, and, you know, I, I'm not calling Craig Reynolds really a I mean, I guess he is technically a bubble player, but it feels like, you know, so yeah, I agree with you there. It feels like they really went back to that Dan Campbell. Well, they really mined that well to really get this episode started. And listen, there's nothing wrong with going to that Dan Campbell mine, but uh, I don't know. You, you hear about two just jam packed days of joint practices with a really, really good team in the Indianapolis Colts. And then there's a preseason game and it just, I, you know, it was a funny, entertaining episode, but it lacked depth, I felt like. It really lacked depth, and it lacked depth in areas where, I think from our perspective, we really wanted to see it. Um, there wasn't much yeah. from the joint practices, you know? Yeah, I was surprised. That was my biggest surprise from the episode, probably, was yeah. that, like, Dan Campbell said it himself, like, in one of the best quotes, I think, of this episode, which is that, you know, this is what it was all about was the joint practices and that's all he really cared about. And obviously he said in a way more colorful way that I'm probably not allowed to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I had eight expletives in oh, that my transcript. <laughs> I, before I published my, my analysis, I literally did like a, a search on my story and made sure I looked for all the F's and all the S's <laughs> um, just to make sure one didn't accidentally slip through. Um, but no, it, like it, those joint practices, like you and I were both down there in, um, not even Indianapolis. It was the cornfields outside of Indianapolis and we're standing on the sideline and like, we're standing on the sideline for training camp in Allen park too. And it's intense. These guys are like world-class athletes fighting tooth and nail for roster spots in a game of inches. Like it's intense, but you go to these joint practices, it's a different level. It is, it is crazy. I mean, it was your first joint practices Dude. ever. What was, what was, what'd you think? <laughs> we were walking to the car and I'm like, Hey, are you supposed to feel like you're getting hit across the face in 12 different directions for the first 30 minutes you're watching practice? Like I like yeah. to think of myself as a decent practice watcher now going into year four on the beat, but oh my God, I, 
you're trying to watch. I'm trying to watch Aiden Hodgson and Big McNeil go against the Colts' offensive line, and then you look to your left, and Jeff Okuda's getting burned by Alec Pierce, and then you look back. It's like, yeah. what am I supposed to watch right now? What? What is? It's brutal. I mean, brutally in a good way because yeah. there's so much going on. That's normal, Ben. Getting <laughs> feeling like I got hit in the face from 16 different directions is normal after joint practice. Good. I remember my first ones were in uh, in uh, in Pennsylvania, in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, at some college outside Pittsburgh, and it was the Steelers and the Lions and it was the same overwhelming feeling. I I wasn't even prepared for it. I went there and I'm like, oh my God, I thought I knew how to watch football, but this is this is insane. Um so we go to Indianapolis and it's Lions Colts and it's intense as hell. Um, I mean, we saw three or four different skirmishes on day one. Jamal Williams is running people over. Savion Smith, the end of the bench cornerback is like mixing it up with the Colts sideline during special team stuff. Um, I I guess I was expecting to see more in uh, Hard Knocks and they definitely, definitely showed it. But I don't know, Ben, I was just expecting more and not just like more scenes or whatever, but like arc to it. Like the Lions got their asses kicked on day one in most ways. They came back day two and played much and they practiced much better with the Colts. And I would say on defense, which is what I was watching, they it was authoritative. They made a statement. They came, Amani Oruwarie and Jeff Okuda on day one were terrible on day two. Oruwari was okay. Okuda was lights out. Two PBUs, including one on the number one receiver. Nothing allowed in the red zone. The Lions went 12 straight red zone defensive plays without allowing a touchdown. That included a few plays right at the goal line. Um, Really good stuff that Campbell was looking for. And I just feel like they kind of glossed over it. You didn't like, they showed some of that stuff, but like the red zone stuff, like 12 straight plays without allowing a touchdown during red zone drills. And these kind of like training camp situations is crazy. And it was basically just like a video montage in, in hard knocks. And I was, I was expecting to see more. It was jolting. It was really jolting because like you said, there was such an organic arc there. I mean, I covered the defense on day one. You took over on day two. I mean, every time I looked up, Okuda or Amani were getting beat. You know, it was absolutely brutal. There was an absolutely just built-in segue. There's no way that was a good chat from Dan Campbell after that first day. And instead, what do we see after the first day? We see an entertaining, fun, but a stand-up comedian bit. I want to see Dan Campbell chewing asses out after that first day. You know, I mean, I want to see how are they talking to Jeff Okuda. (laughs) There's my Tobias Funke language coming to (laughs) bite me again. But uh, seriously, I want to see the conversations with the third overall pick that's played like 16 games in three seasons. What's going on there? Uh, Because it was a beatdown on day one, and it wasn't just Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan. I mean, it was rookie wide receiver Alec Pierce with Brent Petway-esque hops going up and just dominating the Lions cornerbacks. You're welcome for that one. But there was just... Okuda is one of the biggest stories about this team, and it's just a glaring absence now three episodes in. They had a built-in excuse with the first two episodes. They're set in storylines. This third one? Where the hell is Jeff Okuda? You know it's late when you're getting Brett Petway references. <laughs> to Detroit just Lions. reaching into the dumbest parts of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> well done, well done. Um, yeah, I could see the cobwebs flying out, but no, um, you, you you drive at a good point, Ben, that I agree with, and I and I put it in my analysis um, that's up on M Live that that ran after the episode, which is I I 
I, 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 I like the way they set up the show in episode one. I like the direction they went in episode two, moving more toward the players. And I like their attempt at going to the bubble players in episode three. It makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. We got the preseason finale on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Um, cuts loom after that on, uh, on Tuesday. Um, so we're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of things happening. This is kind of like the last week for some of these guys to make their cases. And so I was expecting to see that. I was really curious, though, why... Obina Eze, one like, and hey, a nice story. I'm not taking a single thing away from that guy Mm -hmm. going from Nigeria, not even knowing what football was seven years ago to now being in an NFL camp. Remarkable stuff. Um, Totally story worthy, right? Um, And we've touched on it before here at MLive. uh, who else did they they bring up? Uh, uh, Pimpleton. So yeah. Khalil Pimpleton, yeah. the um, UDFA uh, receiver from Central Michigan. Yep. Fire up chips. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, a nice story, a nice kid. His parents seemed great up in the stands. Uh, probably a 0.1% chance of making the roster. And hey, like these guys are people too. These guys are players too. Some of these guys, especially Pimpleton, I think are going to be in the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Totally worth like exploring their stories and people like them. But to explore those guys and not a single bubble player who's like a legitimate bubble player was an interesting like direction from from Hard Knocks. And I... I, I like I liked what they showed with those guys. Mm-hmm. I would have liked more to hear about Tom Kennedy, for yeah, example. Dude. Tom Kennedy led the NFL in like <laughs> like Tom like Ben. Dude, it's crazy. Tom Kennedy clung to the end of the end of the bench last year as a tryhard guy who did everything right. Then the Lions invested wild resources at his position to basically replace him to upgrade the talent that position, which is what you want as you become more competitive. And he, the guy, just won't go away. He keeps making plays, keeps doing every single day, every single thing these coaches are asking of him to the point where now in the middle of the preseason, like as we're like counting down the days to cut day, they're trying him out in new spots and special teams just saying, hey, like we've got to find a way to like give this guy a chance to make the team. And we don't know a damn thing about him or his story or his family or anything beyond the few things that he's told us uh, in the media, which is almost nothing. He just doesn't say very much, which is... Hey, I have no problem with that. Everyone's different, and that, that's the way he wants to do his business. I got no problem with it. One of the great things about Hard Knocks is that you penetrate these kinds of stories, and they're not even attempting to do it. Like, like where is that guy? Where, and to your point, where is Jeff Okuda? Like, I would love to know so much more about the number three overall pick who has been through a bleep storm for two-plus years, facing all kinds of adversity against impossible expectations, now he's out in the field, locked in a position battle with a converted safety. How is he dealing with that? Like we've talked to him a couple of times about it. He's been pretty good about it. But I would love to see those camera angles that we're getting in the offensive line room, in the linebackers room. Why don't we see those angles with Jeff Okuda? I would love to hear what his coaches are saying to him. Like, like how are they really seeing the film? Where do they really think he's at? In this battle, it seems to me like he's getting better. It seems to me like he's pulling away from Will Harris. But I would just love to know more, and it's it's curious not to see HBO, not to see Hard Knocks going after it. And to build on that point, it's not like Aubrey Pleasant isn't an entertaining presence either. So it's like every excuse you can think of not to feature an Okuda type like that is just... Weird, but yeah, Tom Kennedy, man, that's a bubble guy. Demetrius Sawdoff Taylor, that's yeah. a bubble guy. Guys like that, you know, 
What about Derek Barnes, who's now getting lapped by a six-round rookie? Not lapped, but like he's like, yeah. you know what I mean? There, there are better stories here, and I apologize to like go negative on him, but whatever. Yeah. But it's just like, uh, like the Obina Ize story. That's a great story. Obviously, it's a unique story. His wife was highly entertaining. It's great to know that she wants his ass chewed by Hank, Hank Fraley. <laughs> just, uh, but I mean, my goodness, you you saw how raw he was in the HBO cut of the big long arm tackle undrafted tackle out of TCU by way of Memphis. I mean, seriously, he's not finishing reps through five yards. He doesn't know how to answer the question on who he's cheating and stuff. It's just like that is as raw as raw gets at this level. So it's uh, just some, some very curious stuff. Cause I mean, back to Tom Kennedy, putting him in new spots. The freaking guy catches two touchdowns. He has eight catches the week before he recovers the game ceiling onside kick. Like there were so many moments to just kind of, that's such a ridiculous story. Uh, that guy landed here during the Matt Patricia years as a former lacrosse pro out of Bryant University, and we're still freaking talking about him in August 2022. I want to know more. It's a glaring issue. I mean, we can go over the guys that not, aren't featured. I mean, Austin Bryant's another one that comes to mind just because he's man on a mission so far these last couple of weeks. But obviously, it's a, I, I, I loved seeing the bubble guys get featured too, but it's like the questions on who, why, what, and where is like, Man, a, a real bubble guy would have fit a lot better in there with those stories as minor kind of sidebars working with it because, yeah. Yep. So, like, um, and just to our points on Obina, as a like, I would have liked to have seen more on Logan Stenberg or Tommy Kramer, two guys who might be on the team. <laughs> bubble guys. So, yeah. But anyway, that, that, that notwithstanding, like, I've still really enjoyed Hard Knocks. It's giving us a, even guys, you and I, who are around the team every single day. We're talking to coaches every single day. Players are watching practice, and we have as good of a sense of this team from the outside as you possibly can. And we're still learning a lot of things by watching um, Hard Knocks and getting a sense of different sides of guys that maybe we haven't seen before. And I've really enjoyed that. A good example for me is Hank Fraley, the offensive line coach. And the guy is, I mean, we've heard really good things about him as a coach throughout the years. Um um, the Lions old offensive line coach, when he walked away under Patricia, Hank Fraley was promoted from assistant line coach to the uh, offensive line coach just because he had done so much good work as the assistant to the offensive line coach. And then when the Patricia, you know, when Patricia was fired and there was a whole like, I, I mean, they cleaned house, yeah. basically every level of the organization. But on the staff, they kept Hank Fraley. It says a lot. And then I know, there, I know there are some offensive linemen here in Detroit who went to bat for him, Taylor Decker and so forth, saying this guy can coach ball. We really strongly advise you keep him. And they did. And now, I mean, they have what's – I mean, they, their offensive line could be one of the best in the league. And I think the backup offensive line is one of the most improved mm -hmm. position groups that I've seen in, in, in training camp. It was kind of a, a problem for a while. And then you have the Indianapolis game where I think people really saw, hey, these guys are like pretty good. I mean, I think it was like 150 rushing yards from the running backs alone in that game, averaged more than five yards a carry, doing good stuff. Uh, Hank Fraley is obviously – he can obviously coach some ball, Ben. Um, we have never really seen any side of him other than coach speak. Mm -hmm. He's a cliche a minute. He's the opposite of Dan Campbell. And again, more power to him. It's, you know, it, everyone – does their business in a different way and he's here to coach ball not to give quotes to newspapers and uh, websites and i understand that but having said all of that i really enjoyed watching hank, Fra hank fraley in this episode 
light a thunder, uh, 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 light a, um, a match under uh, Obina Eze um, in one of the scenes that you were describing where um, they're watching film in the offensive line room and Eze has a pretty lazy, like bad rep, but lazy rep, which is probably worse than bad. And Fraley goes after him in a way that we have never really seen him animated. And we know he does this kind of stuff because he coaches football and he coaches the offensive line. And it's a good group. But to see it like firsthand and to, for him to yell, um, you know, who are you cheating? Who are you cheating? You know, um, and getting louder and louder, clearly wanting a response from Eze. And Eze at some point, maybe not understanding what was happening or what was expected or just not quite getting it says at one point, like, nobody, as in, like, I'm not cheating anybody. And Fraley just loses his his bleep, you know, <laughs> and says, you know, yourself, just bellows yourself, you're cheating yourself, you're cheating us. Um, these are the kind of interactions, Ben, I, I've really enjoyed in Hard Knocks because we can understand everything as much as possible, but to actually be able to see and hear the stuff going down is just a totally different kind of drama. Yeah, and I think that's why we're both feeling a little kind of short gifted with this episode because that was kind of the extent of what we learned. You know, what did you learn? What did you learn from this episode? I'd, I'd say I learned about Hank Fraley as a coach in that moment, you know? Oh, gosh, I, and I really don't want to be too negative, but this episode did kind of feel like it went in circles a little bit. It was missing stuff. Like I've got written down here. Where is Jared Goff? Where is Jeff Okuda? Where is Austin Bryant? Where's Michael Brockers even? Where's TJ Hawkinson? You know, I mean, we can sit here and talk about the bubble choices all day, but just uh, I, I just walking away from this episode and this is just me, maybe me being selfish from the beat. It's like we didn't learn that much this, tonight. You know, we learned that Deuce Daly can still get his guys motivated while sounding like Mickey Mouse stretched out. I mean, <laughs> that might have been my personal favorite moment of tonight's episode, but I didn't learn a lot from this episode, you know, and just. Yeah. yeah, I don't need to see a ton of like. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, for example, um, these guys that we hear from all the time that we see all the time. And it does strike me as peculiar that we haven't heard from Jared Goff more as like the face and leader of, you know, what's going on. Um, and he's like, Hey, he's a quarterback entering a make or break year. And if it breaks, then they're drafting his replacement. Actually, that's a pretty big storyline too. Going into the season, I'd love to hear more and see more in that quarterback room. But you know, I don't necessarily need it. I would like to hear that stuff, but I don't necessarily need it. I do need to hear more about Jeff Okuda. Oh, God, yeah. it, 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 To me, it's a gaping hole in the arc of, like, this team, you know, and where it's been and where it's going. He's one of the guys who came in. He's supposed to be a cornerstone of the last regime. It didn't work out. He's seeking redemption. He was seeking it last year. It didn't work out with the injury. He's back now, but he's, like, having a hard time um, beating out a, a safety for his old job. Um, it just seems like there's a lot of layers of drama and intrigue and even football relevant stuff going on that's been unexplored. Um, and there's more guys like that. Austin Bryant's a good example too. I mean, that to me is a great example of a guy for HBO. Dude, like he's very, first of all, he's very animated and a good guy, very colorful, like talker and stuff. I mean, he's just a fun guy to talk to. Yeah. And he's not afraid to talk ball. And I always enjoy that. But even on the field, he, he has been a menace and he has not always been a menace. He has really struggled with injuries throughout his career. Um, he's not been shy about saying he didn't jive with the, with the old staff. Um, 
And it was just a long journey for him to health. Last year, he was pretty much healthy. And then, you know, he broke through. He got like five sacks, give or take. Um, and this offseason, he was healthy for the whole thing for the first time in his professional career. He was able to work out with some old um, teammates from Clemson, you know, Cleveland Farrell, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, Dexter Lawrence and, and so on. And man, he has been one of the most disruptive, violent players in camp. In these joint practices we talked about, we, you know, they, it was such a big thing for the Lions and for Dan Campbell and obviously very good for the cameras. We were expecting that to be a big thing. And, and, and Austin Bryant goes there. He has three sacks in one day. He yeah. was just lighting up the Colts on day two. And I don't know if we've seen him yet or heard from him yet on any of the hard knocks. I don't think that we have, have we? No, I don't think we have. And it's just uh, it's shocking because I'm replaying his availability after that practice down in uh, Westfield. And it was fantastic saying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really nice, lovable guy and stuff. You know, after hearing Dan Campbell talk about Austin Bryant as being one of the likelier players to start fights and stuff. But just back to the golf. I, I, we know Hawkinson. We know who Hawkinson is. We've seen his personality develop over these years. But I just think from a national standpoint it's weird to picture yourself on the outside looking into this team and not hear a peep from you know i mean we've only seen frank ragnow fishing for like 12 seconds it's like the cornerstone pieces that are gonna like carry this thing into the next from the top like the golf at least in this year and stuff like that we're missing those guys jeff okuda is the biggest missing piece to the puzzle austin bryant that dude he's been great all camp he had a great joint session he had a great preseason game and when we sit here and talk about missing a lot of stuff from joint practices, that's where Austin Bryant went. I mean, that, he was one of the studs of those days. So it's just, I think from a national perspective, it's kind of been, there's been a lot of holes missing. You know, I, 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 I've never been a consistent hard knocks watcher in the past, but when I have watched, it did feel like there was that national presence featured, you know, that, that outwardly big time name being featured and stuff like that. And it, it is missing. And I think, uh, you know, we, we've said it over and over again, but Jeff Okuda's absence from the show is glaring. I mean, he's the when I go on radio well, shows and they ask me about him, I don't know what to say. Like, I need to see things about Jeff Okuda, but I don't. There are, I will remind folks, there's two more episodes. Yeah. Yeah, this was number three. Yep. So, you know, we'll, we'll see some stuff play out. I think we've 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 covered our, you know, our, our, our feelings on this episode. Um, not my favorite. I still learned some things and I still enjoyed I especially enjoyed Deuce Fra Deuce, <laughs> Deuce Daly uh, losing his voice. That was that was pretty entertaining. It was some it was some good stuff and I really of course always enjoy listening to uh, Dan Campbell's speeches. I can never get enough of that. And Dan Campbell, um, you know, the, uh, everything he's doing to try to turn over the culture here. I, You know, we've talked so, so much about the... I'm trying to open up the culture and be more collaborative and kind of restoring some of those yeah. like, lines of communication. We've talked exhaustively about that kind of stuff. We've talked a lot less about what they've done culture-wise in terms of just ridding the stench of losing and i mean it's a pretty amazing stat that i'm probably gonna do more with but i was going through the roster there's 80 guys on the roster right now um you already know ben because we talked about it already but there of the among among the 80 guys on this roster there's exactly two guys who have been with the lions for a season where they did not finish in, in dead last it's dark it, taylor decker 
first round pick from 2016, went nine and seven twice, and Jared Davis, who went nine and seven once and left the team for a year. Um, so, and that's it. That those, I mean, Tracy Walker and got like Tracy Walker, leader of the defense, has been here for four years. He has never known anything other than last place. Like that's the kind of culture, like. And Lions fans know it. Everyone listening to this podcast at this point, twenty whatever minutes in, they already know. We don't. We're not. Yeah. We're not telling anyone anything new. The Lions have been terrible for such a long time. It boggles the mind. It defies mathematics. Um, it really does. That one playoff win in sixty-five years is astounding in a league built for parity. And the this the, the current roster that these guys have known nothing but terrible, awful, monumental cataclysmic losing how do you go about changing that like you like like anyone can win a game even a terrible team but how do you come in and change a mindset of we should be winning and it's been interesting for me ben um to watch their attempts at that end of things in some of these team meetings with dan campbell and aaron glenn and we see in the back of the team meeting room that they've painted in giant letters the years of their last playoff win last division uh, title last uh, league championship um and it's you know we, we we can hear them talk at press conferences until they're blue in the face but hearing them behind closed doors kind of doing some of these things with the winning culture and trying to get rid of this stench of mediocrity of losing of this expectation of SOL that, that something bad is always going to happen that God damn it. We're supposed to win. We're going to win. That has been really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, shoot it had Dan Campbell filling his pants with talcum powder and shaking it. <laughs> I mean, seriously though, I mean, after the preseason game, he talks about teaching this team how to win. And then we actually, this is, this is the best part. I mean, that final post game speech that we got to see is just Dan Campbell at his absolute best. And it's exactly talking about the point to see, but just, uh, yeah, just at every turn, he's trying to instill that in their minds, whether it's filling his pants with talcum powder and shaking him free to the point where that he's got was... white powder all over his face. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you never know. <laughs> you really never like like yet like yet like on Monday. We woke up. I, I had no idea I was going to go to a practice with no coaches. Uh, he did not like, let us know. Like, like today, Tuesday, I had no idea I was going to walk into practice and then eventually see like the head coach of the Lions with like pants covered in talcum powder. I, like, I just never know. Every time you walk in this building, you never know like what the hell is going to happen next, <laughs> like where the day's going to end. Um, speaking of ending, <laughs> yeah, we got to get out of here. We're just rambling at this point. It's late. <laughs> We're delirious. We're going to go home. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, episode three of Hard Knocks in the books. We'll be back next week for episode four. Really uh, curious and interested to see where they go with some of these bubble guys and some of these even more stated guys that um, they've given less airtime to. I, you know, there's a lot of fertile ground I think going forward. I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, one last preseason game on the books, and then I believe the roster cut deadline is next Tuesday, 4 p.m. Tuesday. So we'll so. have quite a bit to talk about next Tuesday. Go get a nap. Hmm. Never. <laughs> I can't sleep. <laughs> This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts: Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.